Hello, I'm Kate, I'm one of the pastors at HDBB, and this is Baby Bump due in October. And welcome back to the second talk in our Abide series, looking at what it means to abide in Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to be more patient. I constantly feel lacking in this area. I have twin girls, a baby on the way, and a husband. And too often, I feel just extremely aware that I need way more patience. And I try, I do, I really try. I say to myself, I'm gonna be super patient today. And on about the eighth twin tussle of, it's mine, no, it's mine, I'm like done. I also have times where I'm impatient with myself. I have a lung condition where I sometimes struggle to breathe and I have to battle quite oppressive lung infections. And so I have times where I'm impatient with my own body, my own lungs. And earlier this year, when um, I fell pregnant, I became unwell and I found myself struggling increasingly with patience. I just never seemed to have enough. We were all in lockdown. The whole family were together, living on top of each other, and I was very sick, and the twins were desperate to be outside, and it was all just a lot more intense than usual. And I just felt massively lacking in this area of patience. Then Pentecost arrived and Miles did his brilliant talk on the fruits of the spirit and I had one of those moments of breakthrough. Dan and I were looking at the fruits of the spirit with the connect groups and God spoke to me and I realized I had been striving for more of these fruit, this love, joy, patience, kindness, all, all the rest and in this intense time, God showed me very simply that these fruit, they don't come from trying harder, striving and, and trying to be more patient. They come from abiding, abiding in Jesus. And then my eyes were opened and I started to realize that the days that I was more patient were the days that I'd spent more time with Jesus. Because at the end of the day, the fruit is simply the byproduct of being with him, the fruit grower, gifted, not earned. It's like a balloon rubbed against fabric. A, a balloon becomes statically charged, able to miraculously stick on a wall. When we do life so close to Jesus that we're constantly brushing up against him, we become more than we were before. We become more like him. Abiding in Jesus is the key to fruit in our lives. And this is what today's Bible reading is all about. How to grow in this area to see more fruit and freedom in our lives. So shall we read together? John 15 verses one to 11. I am the true vine, that's Jesus, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. 
abide in me as I also abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This passage today likens our lives to gardening. But this is not just any gardening. This is vines and branches. This is the beginnings of wine, producing Rioja in the garden of life with Jesus. I love it. It's such an apt picture. Because remember, Jesus' first miracle was to bring joy to a wedding by creating wine. Abiding in Jesus is the key to creating a fine wine out of the shriveled grapes of our life. And maybe you can relate. Um, after the last two years, I often do feel a bit like a shriveled grape. In fact, a shriveled grape would probably be an accurate description of how I feel right about now. So yes, Lord, please make some fine wine out of this shriveled grape. And this Bible reading, helpfully, gives us three images, three images that guide us to a more fruit-filled life, more fruit-filled living. So image one, God is the gardener of our lives, not us. God is the gardener. And what do gardeners do? They prune, remove, and love, love, love on their garden. So first, pruning. Pruning. When we embrace God as the gardener of our lives, he gets pruning. In my mum's literal garden where she lives, there's a blackberry bush and it had like three branches last year and still bore loads of fruit, like an abundance of fruit. My mum made 20 berry crumbles. They were still eating them in December. But the bush, though fruitful, looked really very scrawny. So my mum hacked it back like some kind of ninja Jackie Chan action scene. And her name's Jackie, so it was very apt. Anyway, this year, the blackberry bush, well, it's huge. It's thriving and it's not even blackberry season yet. When a garden, gardener prunes one branch, the next grows back fuller, stronger, and more fruitful than it was before it was pruned. It's later, it's greater, and it's more of the same. A gardener tends to his plants because he wants them to thrive. God loves us and longs to see us thrive, grow stronger, and bear an abundance of fruit. He prunes us so we can be, quite frankly, utterly delicious in every way. 
Okay, so when we accept God as the gardener over our life, he prunes us, but he also does some removing, some cutting off. Verse two, the father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. God cuts off the fruitless stuff so fruitful stuff can grow in its place. But for us, that's probably going to feel pretty hard and it's definitely going to be totally worth it because God knows what he's doing. He cares, so he cuts. He cuts away the bad stuff and he also cuts the good stuff to stimulate growth. But but it's the kind of growth that takes time because God cares about fruit that lasts. And, And let's get real, this cutting is not really a branch, is it? This is about lost dreams and lost hopes and lost desires, some lost relationships, all the things that seem taken away, things that are good as well as bad in our our lives. So there is undoubtedly a sense of profound loss when stuff in our life gets cut off. And this cutting to cultivate slow, healthy growing doesn't make much sense to people who honor quantity over quality, quick and fast fruit, which is naturally going to be most of us because that is the age that we live in. That's what we're used to. And if we reflect, this cutting also so often seems to take place when you just feel like you can't take anymore. So don't be surprised if you feel like half the person you used to be when some cutting has taken place in your life. It's a slow process to regrow because God knows that true flourishing takes time. And the good news is that this pain, this loss, this waiting to regrow, it's all for our benefit. God wants to give us good things. He knows that this is the best process to make sure we get these good things and get them in the full. And we're not alone in the process. We're not alone in the cutting and we're not alone in the regrowing either. God the gardener prunes, removes and loves, loves, loves on us. God gave us his son Jesus, which is the second image given to us in this Bible passage. Image two, Jesus is the vine. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In the garden of our lives, of which God is the father is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, holding us together giving us everything we need to exist and love, love, loving on us so that we thrive. In the Old Testament, um, Israel is pictured as the vine, rescued from Egypt by God and planted into a new land, but so often failing to yield good fruit. Jesus is described as the true vine, Jesus redeems this story and makes a way for us. Now, you may not be familiar with a vine. I mean, I know I wasn't. Basically, this picture is highlighting that Jesus is the trunk of the tree, not me. In fact, we're not even the main part of the tree. We're just the like flappy bits that blow in the wind. 
Jesus is the vine. Jesus is our life source, the nutrient giver, the sustainer of our lives. We abide in him. We feed off Jesus. And without him, we wither. Verse 7, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. As well as a, um, a blackberry bush, my mom amazingly has a grapevine in her garden. It's like some kind of Eden. So I asked her to film it for us, to help us sort of visualize this, to ground it for us. If we try to detach our identity from Jesus, this is the picture we get. A branch being pulled away from the life source and withering because it's no longer supported and nourished by the one who gives life. But if we abide in Jesus, the true vine, we thrive and we produce fruit. And where's the fruit produced? The branches which is our third image and where we come into the story. Image three, in the garden of life where God the Father is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, this is our calling, we are the branches. We are called to belong to Jesus, no longer belonging to the world, but abiding in him. Followers of Jesus, we're part of him. Now, this baby in here is a constant reminder for me at the moment. Um, like a baby abides in his mother's womb, we too must abide in ever-increasing awareness of the nearness of the love of Jesus, cocooning us, surrounding us, sustaining us, ever-present and constant. But the picture given to us in this passage of what abiding looks like is brilliant because the cool thing is about grapes and branches is that it's actually really hard to tell apart the vine from the branches, that they're so closely entwined together. They're wrapped around each other and they grow as one. The vine gives the branches all their nutrients and strength, resulting in fruit. Abiding in Jesus is the same. It's entwining our lives in him. Now, the disciples and us are likened to branches on a vine here, partly because it's something the disciples would have been very familiar with, the Old Testament references, but also they'd have seen vines all over the place. They relied on the vines for the wine that they drank. And this is a little abstract for us because we probably don't live on a vineyard or in my mom's garden, but we can liken this imagery to something that we do see and use every day, like um, this lamp. My lovely assistant Dan's gonna help me here. We are like this lamp, pretty useless, um, unless plugged into the source. Nice. Um, <laughs> and importantly, turned on at the mains. If we do not abide in Jesus, the electricity, we go out and things get quite dark. So let's remain plugged in, abiding in the power source. Verse nine, as the Father has loved me, 
So I have loved you. Now abide in my love. God loves you more profoundly than you could ever comprehend. And we get not to just know that love, but to abide in it. Abide in my love. But how? Let's get practical. God is love. God loving on us, abiding in that love. That is the most profound reality that we can turn our minds and energy to. Have you noticed that it's so often the complex things that are rooted in the simplest things? So as we draw this all together, Here's two ideas, two ways we can practically abide in Jesus. Here is what it can look like. Idea one, and this is for the competitive of you out there, idea one is a race. I've started playing this like racing game with God. The race is when I sin, which I obviously do, I've started to try and race myself to abide in Jesus. I've gamified it, if you like. So what that looks like is when I can sense myself feeling angry or jealous or whatever it is, I race myself to become aware of Jesus in that moment, inviting Jesus into that anger or jealousy. And then I ask, Jesus, where are you in the room now as I feel this? Help me to become more aware of your love for me and for others right now. And I play this racing game because have you noticed that one barrier to us abiding in Jesus is us thinking, oh, I need to wait a load of time before, you know, after I sin, before I can come back to Jesus again. But our Bible passage today clearly states, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus is with us, abiding in us. He never left. Abide in me as I also abide in you. He's always there. Before we sin, he's there. As we sin, he's there. After we sin, he's still there. And he's not tutting, tutting at us and like rolling his eyes at us in rebuke, no. He's leaning in, rooting for us to receive his love, even in that moment, so that our joy may be complete. And I realized something else when racing to abide in Jesus' love. It's more than just focusing on the negative emotion that I don't want to feel anymore or I don't want to be anymore. It's more positive than that. It's about racing to ask God to envision us for why I don't want to be angry. Jesus, I don't want to lose my rag in anger right now because I want to raise kids who are in control of their anger. Or Jesus, I don't want to lust because I want a marriage that's thriving. I race to abide in Jesus, asking him to make me aware of his nearness and love, plugging into him even in my worst moments and asking him to remind me of his vision for that moment, his vision for my life, a life full of fruit. Next, idea two for abiding in Jesus' love. We can practice abiding in Jesus' love using our imagination. 
our imagination is amazing. What this passage and the history of the church shows us is that our imagination is a gift given by God that can help us to engage with him on a new level. And I sense that this is really important for some people today because the challenge of this lockdown lifestyle is doom scrolling. It's Netflix, which is a total blessing, but can also be an utter black hole. These things are, they're exercising our imaginations, aren't they? Which is great. The question is, can we dedicate some of that time to using our imaginations in a different way, growing us in this area of abiding in him? And this isn't random. Jesus' stories changed the world. The main way that Jesus explained complex concepts to people was through imaginative stories. Stories of lost coins and wayward sheep, burst wine skins, buried treasure and pearls. This very passage uses the imagery of gardening to help us understand a complex concept that has nothing to do with plants. Because God knows us. He designed us. And he knows that if we use our imaginations we can operate on a more profound level of understanding. Imagination engages a different part of our brain, activating our spirit in a different way. So, simply, I've been using my imagination to read the Bible. You may have heard of um, Ignatian contemplation. It's basically using our imagination to read scripture, imagining yourself present at the birth of Jesus, and in your mind, adoring the infant king. Imagine following the loving Jesus as he performs remarkable miracles before our eyes, picturing being present as he dies and rises from the grave, trying to use all my senses to abide in Jesus as I read the Bible. Our passage today says, if my words abide in you, my husband Dan does his Bible study on his iPad and he collects images and sticks them around the text, triggering his imagination to picture different scenes and concepts as he reads. And this area of imagination, I've also tried something else. It's a spiritual exercise that's helped me so much. So I thought I'd share it with you. I've started picturing Jesus in my memories. What this looks like is when a memory flashes before my eyes, you know the ones, you know those arguments that you tend to replay over and over in your head, or bad choices that you wished that you'd navigated differently, or not great things that have happened to you. And, and when these things come into my head, flash before my eyes, instead of brushing them aside, I've recently tried abiding in Jesus in that memory, asking him, okay, Jesus, where are you in this memory? Where are you sat? Where are you stood? And what do you say to me, Jesus, there in that place? What do you need me to hear? Please speak. I'm listening. And my 
my mind wanders at the best of times. So during these memory exercises, picturing Jesus in my memories, I sometimes like to write or, or doodle at the same time. And then it doesn't need to look good. You know, no one's going to see it. However, however you do it, using our imaginations to abide in Jesus, in our Bible reading, in our memories, in, in racing to abide in him, in our worst moments, the promise is abiding in Jesus' love brings fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Abiding in Jesus, the promise is, it produces fruit, fruity, fruit, fruit, fruit. And our God is a God of abundance. In a season where we've been cut off from so many things, Jesus is the one place that we can be guaranteed it's always possible to remain because he's given himself for us. He's made himself available to us, but he's also dealt with everything that keeps us disconnected from him. You see, where this vine and branches imagery leads us is that Jesus remains in his father and his father remains in him. But on the cross, Jesus was cut off, not because of anything that he'd done, but because of what we had done. He was cut off so we can abide. He was thrown into the fire so we can bear fruit. What we see in this verse is that wanting to abide in him and bear much fruit in our life is not selfish. It's for his glory. So we're going to invite the Holy Spirit now, the one who helps us to abide in Jesus' love and ask him to fill us now. And let's see what fruit follows. So we're going to pray. And at any point, if you'd like, just click request prayer and someone will pray specifically for you. Let's pray.